Welcome to Evolution of AI with Reese Jones. Dive deep into the intricate world of artificial intelligence, exploring its origins, its impact on our culture, and its future trajectory. Let's get started. Today is a special uh, Bicycle Day recording of AI and our interaction with it. Bicycle Day, April 19th, is today's the 80th anniversary of when Albert Hoffman first tried LSD. There, there's all kinds of mythical stories about this, but it was 80 years ago that he first had an experience with it. And some view it as an awakening of the next level of consciousness for humans and humanity. It's called Bicycle Day because uh, at his lab, which he he synthesized uh, LSD um, uh, out of ergot a few years before, but hadn't uh, tried it, and the um, uh, he'd been experimenting with it on uh, on mice, and he accidentally got some on his skin and started to have an experience, and he noticed it mostly when he rode his bicycle home where everything about the world changed in his perception. And some people view this as like a divine intervention that it happened at that time accidentally because shortly afterwards, the first atomic bomb was detonated at the Trinity test. And the, it, the divine intervention part is if humanity is entering into an, a time where it can easily destroy itself it needs to scale its consciousness so that it can wrestle with the issues of, well, what does it mean to destroy yourself? And that the psychedelics were introduced to have people think about things at a bigger scale or their sense of self is extending beyond the personal to the interpersonal and the planet. So the people have this mind-body kind of relationship to who we are in that our cognitive thinking is in our minds and it's uh, often dissociated from our body. And so there's a lot of practices to reintegrate your mind and your body. And AI in its early phases have been primarily focused on the mind, especially the language guys. And not until you get into robotics does the AI have a sense of self and a sense of body that can relate to its thinking or its mind. And so this mind-body separation is something that uh, will start to integrate with the AI world in a significant way in the coming months. And so our mind-body connection is is partly our limbic system, which is the part of our brain that's more connected to our body. And many creatures have mostly a limbic brain, reptiles and simpler kinds of mammals, which are the basal feeling levels of thinking and the cognitive or cortex level thinking that's more abstract deals with things like time and the past and the future and things that are more characteristically human type of thoughts. And those often get this dissociated from the body and part of the practices of meditation or yoga or oming or other mind-body integration type practices reassociate the mind and the body as a practice. 
And Olympic resonance is the resonance between your mind-body connection and others, who you are, but also who you are relative to them and who they are can be resonant with you. So when you're dancing or at a scary movie and something scary happens in the movie, the whole theater jumps. And that's a limbic connection between the people in the theater and a limbic resonance that causes that. Or limbic resonance is thought to be the mechanism of how psychotherapy works, where the person who is distressed comes in to sit with in the limbic field of the therapist who's hopefully less distressed and the resonance between the two people calms them both down and synchronizes a bit. And so limbic resonance is part of our interaction with others. And this extends to the mind part where how we think about other people, what we're thinking about, what are they thinking? What do they think of me? What do they think of the weather today or how this feels? And this is more intrinsically higher mammals that have this ability to intuit or feel what the other person is feeling. And this is a new area of AI and it's been growing extremely rapidly in the last few months of AI learning a theory of mind of the person that they're interacting with. And so the AI knowing that you don't like garlic or you'd prefer being outdoors to indoors or things like this, it can incorporate that into its interactions and its answers to your questions. And the uh, recent studies have shown that AI is getting a theory of mind or the chat GTP levels of AI are developing a theory of mind more or less comparable to a six-year-old or perhaps a nine-year-old as far as understanding what you might be thinking about. And then an advanced theory of mind is second derivative or second order where I think that you think that other person thinks that they should attack us or that they should feed us. And so it, it's at the capacity of what human cognitive capability is, how many people you can have this theory of mind extend to. And this is thought to be related to the Dunbar limit, which is people can be friends with about 50 to 150 people that they can trust roughly that amount of people, but they don't have the cognitive capacity to trust more than that. They run out of memory space for theory of mind. And so this is an unexplored area for AI, but developing quickly. And it's not just the only definition of who you are, or who I am, that there's our mind and our body, but then how do you fit our soul and our spirit into these. And this has been a kind of theological types of discussions for a long time, but it's what is the framework that we define ourselves, that it's more than our mind and our body, like who is our soul, what shape is our soul, and who is our spirit? Is it inside us? Is it outside of us? That kind of thing. And so there's different philosophical, theological types of models for this, that the mind-body element of who we are and our soul and then the spirit, which can be defined a lot of different ways. But our soul is thought to be where free will originates. And some people would say we have no free will 
um, Sapolsky or Dan Dennett or whatever, and others would say that our soul is free will, but the sense of free will is something that originates in the soul as, as opposed to in the body, where if you touch a hot stove, your body will automatically retract before you've even realized you've touched the hot stove. But your intention to touch the stove was something that happened at a soul level or your free will to do that. And so these things are discussed endlessly in philosophy and theology. And they are not complete in that a person is more than their mind, their body, their soul, and their spirit, that they're part of a community. And what defines a person is what community do they align with or are they part of? Who's their family? Who's their tribe? What's their religion? Who do they live with? That kind of thing. And that's an important element if you're trying to design a what is a whole person. And then where does AI plug into all of this? And that's an open question And that things like the chatbots are, are trying to emulate a mind in a way. And people would say, oh, a mind is conscious. Conscious of what exactly? And, and what is consciousness? It's not known. And then an AI with a robot is a mind in a body. But does it have a soul? Could it ever have a soul? Is a soul biological? Is a soul spiritual? What? How do these things relate? And then they, you can discuss how they relate to community and so forth. And this goes even further in that the community is part of nature. And is it a, a beach community? Is it a jungle community? Or what is the nature of the community? And, and that defines a little bit who's there. So the definition of you really needs the context of where in nature are you and in what community and how's your spirit connected to your community and to nature and so forth. So it's a complicated situation that it hasn't really been defined or not necessarily defined, but evolved. Where does AI fit into the biological intelligence of all of this? One simple way is to replace spirit with AI and essentially a digital spirit where you have your mind in your body, but you consult the essentially the virtual element of who you are and what you think that's not an exactly part of your mind and not part of your body and not part of your soul, but it's another element to it. And so what is it that is being evaluated here is what is reality? And reality may not exist. It may, it's certainly a subjective depending on who is looking at it, who's defining it. And the reality for me is probably different than the reality for you. And the common reality that we talk about is the shared reality where, for example, physics, a language has evolved to say the apple falling from the tree will behave in these ways. And that's defined by language. And some would say that language defines reality and reality is language. And language is imprecise. It changes. There's a lot of things about language. And AI is, is built out of language. And language is more than just the English ASCII text words. It's language can include chemistry or math or painting colors or art or, or dance or other things that are not necessarily words, they're linguistic in that they define a reality, but a certain kind of dance uh, with the language of dance 
is something that is uh, communicating um, a feeling and a reality that uh, uh, is not just in words. And so it's the large language model learning of, of uh, things like the GTPs uh, and LLMs and so forth are learning. They're learning not just from English language words from textbooks, but they're learning from the larger meaning of language. It could be mathematics. It could be C++ code. It could be other forms of language that define things. And the ability of the language models to interpret and communicate in the language of math, for example, is improving as rapidly as its ability to have a chat conversation with you. And so the AI, it's, it's processing language, but the attention these days is focused on these large language models applying to writing a, a conversation or whatever, but they're equally good in getting better uh, at writing computer code or chemistry formulations and language of various kinds. And it turns out that the AIs that have been trained on a large language model of, say, all the internet are performing better at answering questions than the ones that are specialized in just mathematic language or just chemistry language or just physics, where they're using a language model that is broader educated that of how do you communicate with other humans to talk about a shared reality in a way that the recipient can understand it. And so the language you use talking about reality to a five-year-old is somewhat different based on your theory of mind of what that five-year-old can understand. And you adjust your language automatically to adapt to who you're speaking to. And the important skill of a guy like GTP is to transform the communication of the apple falling from the tree into uh, a form that is most digestible by the recipient. And so if you're writing the definitive book on, on any particular topic, the audience is not uniform clones of each other. They're all different kinds of people or other AIs. And the way to communicate the contents of your book to them is through transforming it or translating it to the way they can receive it. So if it's a five-year-old speaking Chinese, it should be transformed from the English book into the Chinese book, but also the way reality is described to best receive. It has to be at the five-year-old level of a Chinese speaker. And language is very powerful. And Terence McKenna has, has said that language is reality. And if language is reality, you can define ra reality however you wish. And so that you can define it for yourself, but you can define it for another person. And so this is how religions work to define reality as in a framework of a certain religion. And how the apple falls from the tree in a religious framework might be described differently than in a physics framework. And and so the the point of the the, the apple's still falling from the tree, but the way you understand, the way you interpret it, the way you explain it is, is customized or transformed to the recipient. And so 
where a, a lot of biology is in the present moment and in humans and in in many creatures, it's they have limited memory of the past and the limited processing power to predict the future. And so if, if our model of, of uh, AI is, is processing things in the moment, but learning from the past and using the past learning to predict the future, uh, th these are uh, improving um, on an exponential uh, basis. And so the uh, language databases that the large language models are using have uh, been increasing on this uh, super exponential uh, curve where this is an exponential graph, but you can see the data is clustering not in a straight line, as you might expect if it were a simple exponential, but almost an exponential of exponentials in that the the size of the database that the language model has, has been trained on is approaching a trillion uh, elements. And uh, Sam Altman, who runs OpenAI, that did GTP, said that th this is pretty much tapped out and that the making the language models bigger still won't have a noticeable effect, which may be true, but the evidence is, is that there's 50 years or 70 years of it growing exponentially, and it seemed to click into being useful just recently, over a, a billion um, variables and now approaching a, a trillion a few years later. And there's been a very noticeable improvement in, in what the capabilities of these large language models are. And so the uh, accuracy of uh, remembering the history and the ability to compute that to predict the future is improving. But a prediction of the future is not the future, just like a reality is not, hasn't happened yet in a fiction. And th so the accuracy of the prediction can vary. And the place where we are developmentally is our a religious forecast without science. And what the AIs are getting is capable enough to now test the predictions of the fictional predictions or the forecasts or the projections against measurable uh, elements of reality to make more accurate predictions and make more accurate fictions. But that's different than what's affecting your body right now. And so this is a concept where the map is a, a projection of the territory or a model of the territory. And there's a history of this concept of the map is not the territory or the the menu is not the meal. And, the, and a concept that the map is wrong compared to details of what the, the territory or the land is actually like. But the models can be useful in that if you're trying to figure out how to navigate from here to New York, the it's useful to have a, a simple model of how to get there. That may be inaccurate over Akron, Ohio, but they help you get to where you need to be. And so the the map is a model, which is a, a projection of what's important in the reality, not a precise one-to-one -one mapping of what's in the reality. And this can be generalized to what is true and what's not true generally, in that truth is not a real thing any more than a model is reality or that a map is the territory. 
And so there's kind of misconception uh, that's been explored over 100 years of what is truth. And this is the topic of science and religions and philosophy for a long time. But there's an assumption that something is true or not true or a fact or not a fact. And those are really interpretations of reality. And so this goes to a very basal level of fear and control and that the unknown many people are fearful of and the and want to control it or conserve the status quo versus adopt the unknown or explore the unknown. And Kevin talked about this with tours and, and adopters and the dynamic tension where you have to have both to have a functioning organism or society. This has been explored in different novels, like in Twitter, 1984, the main character worked in something called the Ministry of Truth in that there's a totalitarian concept that there is a truth and there's only one truth and that can be judged and controlled. And this is a conservative control concept of we want there to, to be simple. It's the word of God. It's what's in the Bible. It's what the official right and wrong is. And this is a bit too rigid for a subjective reality. And so there are different movements over time of kind of assault on the truth where trying to police what's the right way to talk about gender or what's the right explanation of history. And these things evolve and some would say the winners get to rewrite the history. And so the history is, is subjective and changing politically. And so just yesterday, Fox News settled the case with the voting machine company Dominion for spreading false news about whether the election was corrupted or not. And Fox agreed to pay them nearly a billion dollars of cash settlement and admit that they did lie and they were wrong, but they settled the case before it went to trial. And there's still more cases pending against Fox News, but there's starting to be some blowback from going a little too far on the interpretation of reality and history. Uh, and society saying, no, that, that was too far. And so in this, also in the news in the last uh, couple of days, is a breakup of the friendship of Elon Musk and Larry Page, who co-founded Google, in that over the topic of this is Elon telling a story, that he says that Larry thinks that what Google and AI should be building is a digital god, which is an arbiter of truth and the facts and something you could trust in the same way that people trust God. And Elon says, no, you should trust me. Elon identifies himself as a speciesist, where he thinks humans are, are superior to other life forms, including AI, and that other species, other kinds of creatures are just creatures for the benefit of humans and not separate entities in and of themselves in an ecosystem. And so we have this debate as to well, what is like Elon is talking about it more or less from a conservative point of view. And Larry is talking about it from kind of a liberal point of view. And so this is a dividing line where it used to be that when Elon was in Silicon Valley, he would stay at Larry Page's house. And now he announced this week that they'd broken up and are dividing their ideological ways over this topic. And so e Elon is like a proper conservative and he thinks of himself in a in kind of a 
an ideological, spiritual way. And he feels as though humans are at the center of that. And a lot of what he's doing is in this human-centric way, as opposed to let's send robots to Mars and let AI explore the cosmos as opposed to physical people. And so the, their dividing line, Elon announced this week that he was going to start a competitor to chat GTP, and he was going to call it Truth GTP, analogous to Truth Social, started by a famous ex-president. And that this AI would, he thinks chat GTP is too woke, and so therefore it's not telling the truth, and that the truth is anti-woke, and that the competition between AI should be based around ideological kind of frameworks. And this is in contrast to the digital God, which is saying that you should trust the digital God as to what is the truth. And it might be wrong, but it's better to have one voice of God where like religions evolve from multiple different gods into one and that everything that one said is in this book and that that's the word of God and that is the truth where truth GTP would be a little bit more that the word of God is human. And so there's an ideological, uh, religious kind of bias between these two approaches, but they both assume that there is truth and that it's not subjective. The, the people playing this out essentially uh, are, are Microsoft versus Google, uh, where Microsoft has been buying its way into more powerful uh, uh, AI uh, tools and, it, and it's uh, more or less acquired the essence of uh, OpenAI and, and ChatGTP and is building it into everything they do. And then Google is an AI first company and has built AI into everything they do. And so they're the front lines of competition. And interestingly, they're, they're both by, run by Indian Heritage CEOs. And just at this time, uh, India has passed China in terms of the most populated country on earth and still growing faster while China is shrinking. And uh, China, who is a kind of command and control government, puts a lot of restriction on the AIs because they're afraid of losing control. So in the fear control dynamic, they don't want AIs to be independently thinking. And so they're stagnating AI development in China because of the over-control of language, facts and truth and history and independent thinking. And so that's holding them back where India is a little bit more open to diversity of philosophy and thinking and points of view. And India has a bit of an edge in terms of population now and openness to that may be beneficial for dominating AI because there are Indians are already controlling Microsoft and Google. So some of these are a little bit provocative, obviously. So what is truth? What are facts? And there's this concept, not broadly known, that, that facts have a half-life and that they're only facts for a while. And the knowledge from Buckminster Fuller is increasing on this exponential or super exponential basis. And that even years ago, IBM predicted that knowledge would in the world would be doubling every 12 hours. And it's probably faster now, and knowledge is a subjective word, but the increase of knowledge, which you could define as facts, is, is clearly increasing more rapidly and doesn't show any signs of slowing down. 
And so an interesting concept comes from Sam Abramson, who has a a book called The Half-Life of Facts, where he studies how long does something remain a true fact? And it turns out that they have a half-life, like a radioactive decay half-life, and that something being true today means that it survived this. But analysis of a wide array of scientific and uh, language facts and evidence show that they decay, that things that were thought to be facts turn out not to be. And so in different fields, the half-life of facts might be longer, where something that's established as a fact in physics may persist longer because maybe the rigor of which is proven to be a fact in physics is higher. But in other areas, such as history or religion, what is considered a true fact today half of them will likely be wrong in eight years. And so the concept of tying things to truth and facts is illusory in that facts aren't facts forever. And so there's a curious sign about tooth decay that applied to facts. And so the Tristan Harris and from the Center for Humane Technology did a recent talk that the interactions with AI that they see hitting us in this year are a collapse of trust in things like facts and our definition of reality collapsing and the changes to society and things that people religiously hold to truth and facts and God and country and politics and other things are no longer grounded in that how we ground ourselves in reality is changing partly related to these AIs. And the way we ground ourselves is evolutionary, that we evolved in nature and we have different subcomponents or elements of how we learn from nature and different senses that we collect information about the world and reality and we try and integrate it. And this uh, concept of The different inputs into reality is something that comes up in psychedelics on Bicycle Day in that the mechanism that psychedelics seem to work on is they we have a thing called the default mode network that that connects in the brain the different elements of the body and touch and taste and visuals and so forth. And we have a default mode network that says, let's accept the input from many different sources and then integrate it. And most of the time, this network is saying, ignore the senses that are on most of the time because their data is not integrating well. But when a psychedelic is on board, it depresses the activity of the default mode network. And the default mode network then is less controlling or less suppressing of the different senses. And so you get hallucinations and in visuals and sound and touch and things that your sense is feeling, but your brain is ignoring. And when you turn off the default mode network, your brain then is stimulated by things that are normally suppressed. And that's part of the experience. This is the cortex largely saying, ignore these things, where the limbic system is feeling these things. And so the container, while you're feeling these normally suppressed information and sensations is the psychedelic experience, but it's the layers of the brain interacting differently. 
in the normal mammal or human, there's three basic layers of the brain where there's our reptilian feeling sense, our slightly social interaction sense, and then our cognitive thinking. And th these are doing different functions, but they work as one thing. But by adding AI and the internet to it, it's adding a fourth level that hasn't been fully integrated into who we are and how we interact. And that's what we're playing with now. And so the internet and AIs are interacting cognitively mostly now, but they're getting to where they're interacting physically in our experience of reality. And, but they're being part of us because our phone is part of us and it's part of our experience and it's part of reality. And so there's this concept of the limbic resonance, which is how do we interact with other people? And the AIs generally, they don't have a limbic system and they don't have a body that we can empathize with and feel with and vice versa. They're learning how to fake it, but uh, they work on a fundamentally different mechanism. And so the limbic resonance between people or even between like people and dogs is a little bit more aligned than between a person and an AI. And so we still have the mind-body duality problems of them not being fully aligned. And alignment is a term used in discussing whether AI is good or bad. So we're evolving from a limbic being to one with tools. So there's some thoughts to think about. Thank you for uh, joining us on Evolution of uh, I with Reese Jones. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Stay connected as we continue to explore the fascinating world of AI. Until next time, keep questioning, keep exploring.